the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as life and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. Teaching from the little research I've been able to do would also do some historical research and historical, um, you know, see it from historical perspectives. This matter of, it will shock you some of the things that have become normalized in today's world. For instance, I'm wearing a wedding ring, and when I was reading the history of a wedding ring, I was shocked. It shocked me. This thing where the guy is very, person go use a million of naira, buy diamond carats. If you know the history of this thing, <laughs> you'll be humble. This, this ring, we are calling it the wedding ring. Let me not rush. We will get it. <laughs> but we are considering love, marriage, and modern society. Of course, to consider modern society, we have to see how things have evolved. Hopefully next week we will teach on the evolution of love. We will see how love has evolved over time. How marriage has evolved. How weddings have evolved. <laughs> and it will, will, will interest you to consider that Many of the things that you think is very, very important in love and marriage are <laughs> not important. Many of the things you consider not important are very vital. First Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13. We'll read the verses from the third one to about the eighth one. Put it in the New King James or the New King James probably, I don't want to use the word charity. The KJV used the word charity, but the New King James will use the word love. So. Alright. Uh, okay, let's start from verse 1. Let's still, still go. So I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, Mr. Sam, drop it a little bit, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long. Everybody says suffer long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave itself rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether they are prophecies, they will fail, whether they are tongues, they will cease, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, prophesy in part, that should be enough for the context of our teaching this evening. What I want to teach on tonight is titled Love Education from Scriptures. Love Education from Scriptures. We are, we are going to look at a lot of verses. Look at it very well. Consider it. Explain it. Understand it. And then you can say that after tonight you have been educated um, about love from Scriptures. Are we together? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for the power of your word. We open up our hearts and our souls to receive everything that you send in tonight. 
we will never be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's start this way by saying something that I've emphasized in previous meetings. Education is the greatest influence in our generation. Education is by far the greatest influence in our generation. Today there is a war going on in the northeast. Boko Haram, Islamic jihadists, fighting against the sovereignty of the nation. Many weapons have been employed. Many tactics have been used. Much bombs, much artillery has been distributed across the armed forces. But the war continues. The problem lingers. Why? Because <laughs> that mentality of holy jihad was installed by education. You cannot uninstall what was in, you cannot uninstall by weapons of war what was installed by education. Are you getting it? If somebody is behaving in a particular way because of the way he's educated, because of what he has learned and what he has filled his mind with, now you now come and be using pancare and be beating him and say you must change. It will work. It is only education that can uninstall something that was put in or installed by education. Education is the biggest influence. In our generation, the people who are educating the next generation are the powerful people. The powerful people are not the people holding the political offices. I'm telling you, the powerful people are not the people holding the guns and the weapons of war. The powerful people are the people that are teaching the next generation, shaping their character, shaping their value system, determining their priorities. I always tell you this, that your teacher is not somebody who holds the microphone or holds a piece of chalk and chalkboard in your front. Your teacher is whoever you expose your mind to. I'm telling you that the Instagram celebrity has more influence on the next generation than the teacher in the classroom, than the preacher on the pulpit. Why? Because most of us are more on Instagram than we are in church. That's just the truth. That's just the truth. You are more on Instagram. You spend more hours there than you are in church. So if the source of the education is corrupt, of course you are being corrupted by opening your mind to that education. You may come here and spend four hours on Sunday. Come again on Wednesday. But you can't compare to the time you spend on Instagram watching, laughing, giggling, learning unconsciously. Education is the biggest influence. The person that is educating is not necessarily the person called a teacher or even a pastor or even an apostle. It's simply the person that everybody opens their mind to. Many people have learned about sex not by buying a textbook about sex. Many people have learned about love not by buying a textbook about love. They have just opened their mind to conversations that happen on the media space. What is this blogger saying about love? What is this blogger saying about sex? And they learn like that. Learning is not difficult. <laughs> Once you open your mind to a reality, you begin to learn. Most times unconsciously. The educator is the most powerful influence in our generation. Whatever teaches you would shape your experiences and determine your destination. Anyone that is teaching you, and I'm not talking about the person preaching to you now. 
I'm not necessarily your teacher just because you come here once in a week or twice in a week. That's not the idea. The person that dominantly determines what your mind fits on, that's your teacher. And that person will determine your experience. That person will shape your destination. What you will experience in life, what you would end up in life, will be a function of your teacher. Yeah. So you must be very selective about your teacher. Be very selective. About what you expose your mind to, about what you open up your soul to, it will determine your destination. I like the way I wrote it down here. The greatest war between light and darkness, between good and evil, even between Satan and God, as it were, is a war of education. It's an education war. The weapons of warfare are not carnal, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Second Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 6. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination, bringing every thought into captivity. It's an education war. It's not an altar versus altar war. Are we together? It's not a thunder versus fire war. It's an education war. Whoever wins that war is in control. It's not a midnight prayer war. It's an education war. The battleground is the soul of man. The mind of man. Whoever educates a people controls the people. These days when I try it, just, you can just try for instance, pick any random subject and Google about it. Maybe, who is God? You will see materials from atheists. You will see materials from scientists who don't believe in God. And those are the people that the next generation are reading. Even all the big tech companies will deliberately push their own narrative in your news feeds. The things that pop up on your phones as breaking news, somebody is deliberately trying to control what you read. You don't know. You just say, I read the news because it was available. Somebody is deliberately trying to shape your view, shape your perspective. And tell you this is what is important. This is, what is, this is not what is important. See, if you fall for that um, carelessness of the soul, where you just open up your mind to everything, watch any movie, hear any song, read any news, <laughs> you are being educated and you are being controlled. Are we together? I'm speaking on love education from scriptures. Now, the subject of love is something that applies to all humanity. Whether you are born again or you are not born again. Love is an important subject. Everybody seems to be familiar with the subject of love. Everybody seems to have a say. Whether you are young or old, poor, rich, male or female, spiritual or carnal, everybody seems to agree that love is a fundamental subject. There can be no humanity, there can be no human existence without that subject. Whether it is wrongly defined or rightly defined, love is a universal subject. That all of humanity is interested in. Somebody may even claim, I'm not a love person. I don't talk about love, but that's his claim. The truth is that, that person, even if he says, I hate every human being in the world. Even if he says, I hate myself. Even if he says, there's nothing I love. There's something he actually loves. Love is a reality every woman has. Are we together? It's a subject that will always be taught. That will always be learned. When I say it's a subject that always be taught, stop thinking about classroom environment. Many of you have learned love. The only problem is we are not sure that the source you learned it from is the right source. Are we together? 
love. Maybe you learn love by watching how your father behaves to your mother. To, to your mother. But you learn love. And as a young boy, probably says, hmm, my father loves my mother. And this is how I will treat my wife. I will love her exactly how my father loves my mother. You have learned love. Your father didn't carry you to a particular class and say, I want to teach you the five principles of love. He did not pay master, master class money and say, you want to learn love. But by virtue of you just observing your father, you have learned love. The issue now is that did your father teach you well? What he called love, is it really love? Are you getting me? <laughs> love will always be taught. Love will always be learned. But the teacher of the subject will determine the definition of the subject, the application of the subject, and the emphasis of the subject. How did your father define love to you? I've had several instances of marital infidelity or unfaithfulness. And then the man is interviewed. Ah! You went to cheat on your wife. And then he says, it's my wife I love. This other one, I just slept with her. I don't love her. It's my wife I love. I don't get it. What is the meaning of love? What is what exactly is the definition of love? But definitions have been perverted, twisted because teachers who don't know anything, who don't know jack about love, are the ones teaching love. I can tell you that seven out of ten young people learn love from popular people, from beautiful people, from famous people. For people who know how to do makeup, who know how to pose romantically. That's where you learn love from. I've seen many people do this thing. Your father and your mother have lived for 40 to 50 years, perhaps. Oh, okay, there's nobody that old yet. For 25 to 30 years, they have lived as good couples. You will never celebrate their wedding anniversary. But once a famous popular crush of yours oh got married last month, you will do one month anniversary for the person. You, you, know, you know your problem? You only want to learn from the popular, from the famous, from Instagram people. Because your daddy and mommy are not Instagram. You don't believe that there are 30 years in marital faithfulness and commitment. There's anything to celebrate. You just feel like, mommy and daddy. But that guy will just, not just last month, Mario. Last month. The cement never went dry. The cement of a house when you build it never dry. Say, kingdom family, kingdom home. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying, really? <laughs> are, are we together? Many people are learning love just from whoever is talking. It's not everybody that talks that you should listen to. You can't determine if people will talk or not, but you can close or open your ear. Be very selective about who you listen to. About who you learn from. Anybody can write about love. Anybody can preach about love. Anybody can speak about love. It's, it's easy to talk. You can write a book about love. You can sing a song about love. It's easy to do. <laughs> but by the time we begin to analyze the definitions, the implications, the applications, they will not say, this thing that these people are calling love, is it really love? They say love is a mystery. I mean, how many of you were asked that question, what is love, why you grown up? And you could not answer. Because, oh yeah, what is love? Define love. If you check the, the dictionary definition of love, you will be shocked if you are a Christian. 
But you won't be shocked too because you will now understand that what the world defines is very different. And how the world defines is very different from how the world defines. Very different realities. So that man who committed adultery with another woman will say, it is the woman I love that I married. The person I had sex with, I don't love her. But the one I love. So once you are married, be satisfied that you are loved. That's the African man definition of love. I married you now. I'm fair now. <laughs> you said you married me. You don't spend time with me. You spend time with your friends. You go out deliberately and come back late because you want to avoid me. But you believe because you put a ring in my finger I should accept that you love me. How <laughs> many people buy that nonsense? Because we, the definitions have been stretched. The goalposts have been moved severally. People don't even know the simple four-letter word. What exactly does it mean? When I see some people say they love God, and they say, you, you really believe I should believe you that you love God? Why? Because you can do, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You really believe that that's... So, why do I see you doing that? I should not accept that you love God. Who has been teaching you? Where should be learning from? What is defining this term to you? How do you apply this reality? The teacher would determine the emphasis of a subject, the definition of a subject, the application, the implication of a subject. So, a subject being taught is not good enough. It must be taught by the right teacher. Anybody can teach love. Anybody can talk about love. It's very easy to do. But if it's not taught from the right teacher, the whole thing can be twisted, perverted, corrupted. What is taught is important, but who teaches it is also more important. Are we together? Listen to me. Somebody can teach about God. In a, I mean, God is a wonderful subject to learn. The mystery of godliness is a wonderful subject to learn. Somebody can teach about God in a way that you will fall in love with Satan. Are you listening to me? The subject discussed was God. But when you hear it, you will fall in love with Satan. I want, uh, but the subject was God, you know. Theology was the topic. How come I am now more attracted to the devil? How come the world seems more appealing to me? Because you learned the right subject from the wrong teacher. Are we together? So, all this love is in the air. February today. February, Femi. And all the fair, fair, fair. It's a good thing. But make sure you are learning <laughs> from the right teacher. Otherwise, you get it twisted. <laughs> you get it twisted. Are we still together? There are many love stories in scriptures. Some years back or months back, I taught a very, very interesting teaching called The Tales of Love. And I gave certain love stories from the Bible. Some of them ending up happily ever after. Some of them ending up very tragically. Very terribly. Love story. The one that comes to mind is this young man who felt he loved the lady. And he was not supposed to legitimately have any 
marital or sexual activity with her based on the kind of relationship they had. He had, however, a foolish friend who told him what to do to get the lady. As soon as he was done having her carnally, he hated her more than he thought he loved her. I see many love stories end up in a very sad way because the definitions are not accurate. I love him. I love her. Okay. It dep- no problem, but it depends on what you mean by you love. I love him. I love her. I'm not saying that you are wrong. It only depends on your definitions which can be traced to your teacher. What are you thought about love? How did your teacher define it? So while we often admit that love is very important, we must define and apply it according to the teaching of the scriptures. I had to say this emphatically when a very popular media influencer said something that most of us will agree is true. Christianity is all about love. The latest word in town now is love and light. Let's just love one another. Are we together? No problem. The only issue now is what is the definition of love? Let's just love one another. But what do you mean by let's love one another? When you say Christianity is all about love, in Christianity there are no commandments. That's what the Bible says. It's just love. To love God and love your neighbor. True. But it depends on your definition. That's why we have to look at this thing clearly and see what exactly did God mean when he said the only commandment is to love. What did he mean? Are we together? Love is the ultimate religion. All this Muslim, Christian, Buddhism is a waste of time. Love is the ultimate religion. Let's just love one another. All this church must fight. Let's just love one another. I agree. But what is the definition of loving one another? Are, are we together? <laughs> if I ask you a question, what does a love song sound like? What is a love song? The one that makes you all mushy mushy. The one that sends goose pimples down your spines. The one that relaxes your nerves. Let me ask you another question. Which of this is love? Lucy. You know Lucy? Satan. That's code name. Lucy, <laughs> Lucy comes and says, Hey guys, I love you so much. Example one. Example two. Jesus Christ of Nazareth shows up and says, Repent. Let me use the exact words in Revelation chapter 2. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your candlesticks. Which of the statements is love? Don't answer. Think calm. Reason now. You see, because we have to define these things well. Because it sounds good and smells nice and feels good does not mean it's love. Hey! Why do you see Lucy doing all this? I love you. I just want to make you happy. That's what he told Eve. You will be alright. I will take care of you. It sounded like a love speech. But it was the most terrible hate speech ever. 
and hate speech that mankind has not recovered from today. It's destroyed all of all of humanity. That subtle, sweet phrase that looked so good. Don't you want to be wise? Look at the tree, it's good for food. You'll be like God, your eyes will be open. Trust me, he said it's better than I'm saying it. His words were so sweet. And Eve was licking it. I love love. Listen to me. Anything can sound like love. Anything can look like love. Get your definitions right. So that you will not... You will not think you are receiving love. Meanwhile, you are receiving hatred, wickedness. Wickedness. Hatred is even seemingly, it's, it's not the right word, wickedness. Everything Satan does from a wicked, terrible heart. Yet he will package it as though he loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to enjoy yourself. Are we together? So, Although love is an important subject, it must be accurately defined, accurately applied, and the right emphasis must be taught. We have no business encouraging people to love one another when they don't even know what love is. Oh yes. Let's go back to teaching what love is before we begin to say people should be loving one another. Because I'm telling you what we are doing by saying, let's just love one another, love one another, uh, is causing more problems. Why? People don't even know what love is. We have not taught what it is. And we are teaching the general application. So people now use what I call relative application. If for me, what I love, or love to me. How many of you have watched interviews of criminals? Maybe on any foreign, some of these psycho, crazy criminals. Some of them actually enjoy seeing somebody die in pain. That's what they love. They enjoy putting a bullet to somebody's brains and watch the person die slowly. They love it. So, if I say that person should love according to his own choice, what will happen to me? That's why you can't say, I can love the way I like. There's nothing like that too. I wrote a post the other day on Facebook that you don't say you love somebody and there was a quarrel and you avoid the person. You don't pick his calls. You don't reply his chats. You do what is called silent treatment. Somebody came and commented and said, You this man, stop trying to force your opinions on us. Anybody can love the way they like. I said it's true. Thank you, sir. I'm sorry, I will never say it again. Yeah. When I see a fool, I treat him as a fool. You know, where do you want to, where do you want, where do you want to start the argument from? So I said, I'm sorry. In my life, I will never do it again. But somebody actually believes that his own definition of love can be legit. You don't define love. And I'll tell you why. It's not, it's, not your, it's not your possession. You don't... It's not, it's not sourced in you. It did not originate from you. When, when were you born? You want to define love? When were you born? Who you be? Who be you? you want, because you have an iPhone, you think you can define love. What is wrong with this generation? Go and learn from the eternal book. You come and say you, you were born in 1992 and you want to be defining love. You want to be educating God about this. How I want to love in my own way. So that man, for instance, what about the person? That's why 
one of the things we are going to consider is sexuality in, the, in modern society. So when come and say, my own sexual, what I believe, you know, it's all about love. I, I, I only fall in love with little children. Oh, oh yeah, they're called pedophiles. There are people who say that they, are all, they don't feel anything sexual for adults, it's only for children. They have erections when they see children. So now, we will not say they should love, uh, let everyone just love the way they like. Perez, I cannot. Oh, yeah. Do you know the kind of crazy children molestation going on in secondary schools by teachers? Because somebody has been deceived by a demon that his own love orientation is to be sexually attracted to a child. And there are people in the United States of America fighting for the legality of this reality. I mean, Dr. Blessing was telling me this. In the Ukraine, if somebody is pregnant and she is 12 and she comes to you as a doctor and says, I want to abort or give me some medications or you get to know that she is having sexual intercourse, the only thing you must confirm is whether the person having intercourse with her is also at age bracket, 12 to 12. If you go and say, come here, what's wrong with you? They can withdraw your license. Like, what's your business with that? So you are supposed to give the person all the birth control medications. That's your job as a doctor in Ukraine. Various, I'm sure that the United States is even worse. Various states have their various California's laws. Society is becoming something. Everybody's just doing, according to my definition, oh, may I believe that I can love someone and I can be slapping the person like this. Slap is my love language. Why? Who gave you the audacity to define love? Who are you to define what love is? Where did you come from? Go and learn from scriptures. You can't just come from anywhere and be determined to determine what love. A concept as sacred as love want to be determining what it is and how it should be applied. Go on. If you don't learn, we, don't, we can't trust you. Are we together? So, let, let us begin to readjust our mentality. I love you, I love you, fine. But let's get the definitions correctly. Let's not assume we know it just because it's a popular word we use in singing or in talking. So what I want to do is just to show you what the Bible teaches about love. Love education from scriptures. Love education from scriptures. Many times what people mean by let love lead is be blind to my faults and don't complain. Let me ask you the question. If your friend tells you your mouth is smelling and another person does not tell you, he says, ah, right on. Which of them loves you? Think about it. He says, what people, people say? What people say? Let's just love one another. What they are saying is that let's just leave one another alone. Let's just allow everybody to enjoy themselves. That's what they call love. Is that what the Bible says about love? Do I see somebody walking towards destruction and say, let love lead? Right on. Do I love that person? If, if I did, is that what love is? But that's what they have taught us that is love. <laughs> Just allow the person be. You, you want to be an homosexual, let love lead. They say, don't condemn, don't judge. I'm telling you, what is going to say? I'm judging you. I say, what is going to say? I'm judging you. I'm loving you. To be told that your mouth is smelling is a love expression. You just don't know. Because I've not been taught that. 
You have been taught that the person that just leaves you the way you are is the person that loves you. My pastor loves me. Tell me about it. He allows me to do anything I like. I can cut walk naked in his front like this. He will not say, he will just say, well done, I love you. Your pastor hates you. Actually, he hates you. He really hates you. If he loved you, he will warn you. If he loves you, you say somebody loves you, and what you mean is that he permits anything you do. You have been wrongly taught. <laughs> wrongly taught. Fix your definitions. Get it right. So, I'll just mention about four or five things from scriptures and explain them. We'll look at a couple of scriptures, a lot of scriptures actually, and understand what the Bible teaches about love. Not what your mentor taught you. Not what the blogger taught you. Not what your crush taught you. What the Bible teaches. Not what your boyfriend taught you. What the Bible teaches. Listen to me as a Christian. The Bible is the final ultimate submission on any subject. The Bible is always correct. You may not feel like it. You may not agree. It doesn't change it. The Bible is always correct. Ah, the world has changed though. The Bible is always correct. Ah, and that one is old school definition. The Bible is always correct. <laughs> and you can't do anything about it. What the Bible teaches about love? Firstly, First John four seven to eight, and then verse nineteen. I will just use this as a trigger to the conversation here. Are we still together, beloved? Let us love one another, for love is of God. Everybody say, love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. And knows God. Verse 8. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. Now, the conversation here amplifies the truth that love begins with God. Listen to that statement. God does not begin with love. Love begins with God. It is God and then love. In other words, or in other dimension. You cannot talk about love without talking about God. The person who owns love, the, you see, love is God's exclusive possession. Yeah. He gives it freely to his sons, those that are born of him. But if, for them to have and show love, they must be born of him. That's the, so, if somebody comes to say, I love you, and he doesn't, he's not born of God, just know that the definition, he's talking about love, yes, but his definition is not scriptural. Because according to scriptures, it is the person that is born of God that can love. Are we together? What we read in First Corinthians 13, it is the person born of God that can do that. The other one, he makes me feel good. Any idiot can do that. Even your dog, your puppy can do that. But the one we read from the Bible, love is kind, love is patient, suffers long. <laughs> it's only the person born of God. Are we together? So, there is no love conversation outside God. There is no truth conversation outside God. There is no justice conversation out of, outside God. There is no righteousness. There are so many of these concepts that we have defined according to human standards, human governments. They do not make any meaning outside the reality of God. That's not about truth. My truth, your truth, our truth, their truth. What are you talking about? There is no truth outside God. What if my truth says that your truth is a lie? Is it still true? Just say, according to my own thinking, based on what I think, what are you talking 
about based on what you think. What you think? What are you thinking? Go and read your Bible and know what the Bible says. Are we together? It's what the Bible says as important, not what you think, not what you feel. So, love is sourced in God. There is a deliberate attempt in our generation to separate God from love. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 Apostle Paul says, I did not even have to write to you about love because you are already touched by God. Everybody say, touched by God. But concerning the love, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourself are touched. It is God that teaches you. This reality we are talking about today is only God that can teach you. Only the Holy Ghost. The love of God said that brought in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It is sourced only in God. So when you see somebody who hates God, who hates church, who hates spirituality, now I'm talking about love, it's just a comic statement. Or maybe his definitions are not exactly fitting with us. So you go back to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Look at the first three verses. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, so somebody can speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels, have not love. In other words, he appears religious and spiritual, but is, what he's expressing is not sourced in God. This is not my emphasis. Go on. I'll show you some other things that other people do that are not Christians. Go to verse 3. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Somebody says, I run a charity organization. Love is the religion. I, I give people things because I love them. And Paul says, you can do all of that, even give yourself to be burned. To be burned. And still not be doing love. Why? Because when we define it in the terms from the original source of the concept, <laughs> then what you are calling love, we not say that it's not actually not love. We can call it something else, but it's not love. Are we together? Love is sourced in God. It begins with God. So what Satan is deliberately doing is, let's talk about love, but let's not talk about God. I mean, let's just love one another. Let's love each other. But let's not talk about God. Love conferences are holding without Bible. What, what, what did they say there? They put a flag in your stomach and the earth warm in your anus. What did they say there? Love conferences without scriptures? What, 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 what are you talking about? You just go there and laugh. And, hey, I enjoyed myself. <laughs> Valentine's service. And nobody opened the Bible. What are you learning? Who are you learning from? Valentine's service. All you did was a shawarma and even got drunk. And you think you heard about love? You were scammed. Are we together? It begins with God. These days, there are deliberate attempts by the great media owners to clamp down on the voices of God and the excuse they give is that it is hate speech. How many of you have heard that phrase before? Hate speech. And I laugh. <laughs> hate speech. You call this, you call warnings and rebukes to a pervert generation hate speech. Ha! I was thinking about it this afternoon. I said, the person who is in hell now knows his lovers. How he knows his lovers. That rich man, he said, Abraham, please go to my family and beg them that this place is real. 
But if you don't hear, pull their ears and say, it's real. Everybody say, no, we don't do that here. The people that are alive there will talk to them. If they don't listen to them, there's nothing we can do. The man in hell knows his lovers. What we call hate speech, often as what the media call hate speech, love speech. That's a great love speech. But you call it hate speech. You, you throw it down, you ban the writers, you ban the speakers, you remove them from YouTube, you ban them from Instagram, you say you are, you are censoring their words because what they said is hate speech. Oh, really? One second into hell and you discover that was the greatest love speech you heard. One second into hell. That person will discover that. What? What I thought was hate speech was actually the expression of love. You cannot separate. What Satan wants to do separate love conversations from God. So demons can love. Wicked ungodly people too can love. They have a right to love. Somebody kills his unborn child and say, I love my body. My body, my right. He believes it is about my right of love. You see, all of these things, that's why the society is heading into a chaotic state. Because everybody is defining things according to their own version. Based on what I think, based on what you think, <laughs> how about now? Go back to the love education of scriptures. Are we still together? So, that's the first thing to note. God's love is clearly, now going forward, maybe number two, whatever it is you want to call it. God's love is clearly shown and explained in scriptures. A couple of verses will show us this. Now, we are saying that love is sourced in God. But so that we don't just assume there are now detailed explanations as to how this love is expressed, how this love is shown, how this love is manifest. Ephesians 5.2 and Ephesians 5.25 Ephesians 5.2 reads And walk in love as Christ has also loved us He didn't stop there He explained how Christ loved us How did He love us? And giving Himself for us An offering and a sacrifice to God Everybody say sacrifice to God when you read this kind of statement, you will now understand that the young man pressurizing his fiancée for sex because he loves her does not know what love is. If it is not an offering and a sacrifice to God, if the giving is not an offering, sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma, it is not love. It is not love. The world may say it's love. That movie scene where two people who are not married are all calling up and kissing and say, oh, they are trying to brainwash your head. And that's love. And God says, what you are seeing, what you witness is a terrible aroma in my nostrils. But you are being taught that that's love. Something you should do. And you believe it. You buy it. You celebrate it. And you hope to practice it too. <laughs> you are being taught wrongly. Are we together? Ephesians 5.25 Husband, love your wives just as Christ has also loved the church. And it didn't stop there. It explains how Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So we always tell Christians, there's nothing I like. I love God, but I cannot give my money to God. What figure of speech is that? What are you talking about? You love God, but you don't give your precious things to God. What are you talking about? This is 
how Christ loved the church. He gave himself for her. Romans 5.28 I will say a few things once I'm done with this particular verse and then we'll continue reading a few other verses. All these scriptures, note them. This is explaining the expression of God's love. 5.8 I think, not 5.2. I think it says here in the love of God expressed or God commends his love towards us while we yet sin us. Alright? God demonstrates. That's what the New King James says. Demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we still sin us, Christ died for us. When did God demonstrate his love towards us? When we were still sin us. All of these things show you exactly what the love of God is. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. What the love of God is. Alright. Now let me ask you a question. Just a rhetorical question to think about. If you say, if I say, I love my wife, what comes to the natural mind, what comes even to my mind naturally, if I'm in a natural logic state, is I love my wife because she's pretty and she's pretty. She's pretty. She gave back to one of the healthiest baby I've ever seen. Perez or Loromai. I love her for that. She's sweet. She's loving. She's lovely. She's gorgeous. I can flaunt her and say, Have you met my wife? Okay, you think I'm lying. Say this after me. I love PJ. Even those of you don't mean it, but at least I've said it. So wait. When you say that statement, what's the the natural inclination is what does PJ do for me? Why do I love PJ? And when you say why do I love PJ, you are thinking of what do I get from PJ? How does PJ help me become a better person? Are we together? Am I lying? Repeat the experiment again. Say this now. Say I love God. I can tell you not by prophetic revelation, by virtue of experience, that everybody said that, and by the time they begin to analyze that statement, they are thinking of, oh, you've been so good to me. That's why I love God. He takes care of me. He sends money to me. He forgives my sins. Hey, are we getting it? <laughs> That's what we have to redefine many things. Because you know, we have not defined love from a very selfish standpoint. It has nothing to do. So look at God's own love. God demonstrated his own love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, he died. There was nothing lovely about us, nothing beautiful about us, nothing desirable about us. We were dead in trespasses and he loved us. How do you love a corpse? He loved us in our state of ugliness. We are beautiful. We are not valuable. That is the love of God. So when you now read, it's when you read this one, you now read Ephesians 25. Husband, love your wives. And you now begin to juxtapose. You now know that, okay, when I'm thinking of, I love Adeda Mola, I should not be thinking of, she's beautiful. If I'm loving as Christ loved the church, I will now understand that love is not about what I get from her. What she contributes to my life. How she helps me. No. Even though those things are constant, that's not necessarily the instruction of husband love your wife. 
So somebody says, I don't love my wife because she's very rude. The problem is that you've not read scriptures. You don't understand how scripture defines love. God's love undeserving. Undeserving. <laughs> if it's God's love I'm talking about. Why do you want to marry this woman? I just like her shape, you know. She's also a very spiritual woman. You are thinking about benefits. <laughs> All of us are guilty. The person who I might find, you know. Are we together? But now, after that stage, you will not get to Ephesians 25 stage. I say, husband, love your wife. How? As Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Was he thinking of what benefit he would gain from the church? Nope. A choice. A decision. A commitment. I'll just, this is going to be the object of my love. When she's 90 and her breasts are sad, I will love her. When I meet somebody prettier than her, I will love her. It's my choice. It's not about how she looks and how she makes me feel. When she's tired and rude and angry and touchy, I will love her. That's what the Christians of teaches. So all this, it depends on how she behaves to me. You've not learned from scriptures. Are we together? So, when you now, you see, that's why, from henceforth, when you say, I love you, think about it first. When you hear somebody say, I love you, don't just say, Really? I love you too. Think first. Calm down. Confirm what the person is talking about first. So that you don't deceive yourself. Don't just say, I love you too. <laughs> love can be very stretched to different things, so different meanings. When you say, Jesus, I love you, think about what you said. You see, and if he asks you why, would you be going to say, ah, who will not love better thing? You give me forgiveness. You give me permission. You know what we do when we thank God? And I'm telling you that there are people who can say, in the last one year, I don't even think I've received anything from God. I'm in prison for my faith. Jesus has refused to touch the heart of the judge to release me. I'm going to be executed. They will cut off my head for preaching Jesus. But I love him. Even if he doesn't do anything for me, I love him. And that person counts more. You can come here and sing all your I love you, Lord, I love you. That person was who in, in, in sorry, who in, in logical terms has received nothing and is saying I love him. That person is a real lover. Not you don't say, why do you love him? Ah, he has blessed me. He gave me moto. He gave me wife. <laughs> Those kind of loves are not very are very elementary things. Very elementary. And you see, that's why in marriage, this is the only one that works. The Ephesians five twenty five one. Because marriage is too complex to be doing. I love her because she's fine. I love her because she makes me happy. I love her because she cooks good food. Uh, you, you get there. You get there. You think that <coughs> you think that will keep a home for sixty years, for seventy years? You think that all those all those trivial things? Are, are we together? So let's define it well. L- look at it in okay. Let's let's look at this. And we'll come back to the popular one. Luke 6, 27 to 36. Luke 6, 27 to 36. But I say to you who here, love your enemies. Everybody say, love your enemies. We're trying to explain the love of God. We know that God loves, but we want to know how God loves. What's the, how is God's love demonstrated? And I taught you this while we are teaching the concept of the theology of favor. When we say God loves everybody, what do we mean? But I said to you here, love your enemies, do good. Everybody say, do good to those who hate you. Go on to us. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. So him who strikes on the one cheek, 
offer the other also. From him who takes away from your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. That's why when you say, I love you, I love you, know what you are saying. Are we together? And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. This one hard though. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Look at the next statement. If you love those who love you, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Listen, he's saying that the love of sinners is that elementary, that little, that it only expresses itself in reciprocal terms. I love you because you are good for me. You, you take care of me. You love me too. You are useful to me. That's how sinners love. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, <laughs> if the reason why you are buying, if the reason why you are celebrating me on my bed is so that I will celebrate you too, what manipulative demonic witchcraft love is that? Oh yeah. If the reason why you are, you are trying to be nice to me, so I'll be nice to you. That, Jesus said, that's how sinners love. <laughs> love like a saint. Tell your neighbor, love like a saint. Not like a sinner. How would you love like a sinner? Sinners are thinking about, is, selfishness is the, is the driving force of the sinner's love. The sinner loves, but it is powered by selfishness. So eventually it's not still love, because love is selfless. While we yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are we together? But even if sinners learn to sinners to receive as much back. Look at next thing. But love your enemies, do good and learn, open nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the most high. Everybody says sons of the most high. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Everybody say God is kind to the evil. Not me talk about Bible talk. That's why we can say God is love. Because he does not select. Doesn't <laughs> Even to the evil is kind. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. He's saying, learn love from your father, your heavenly father. Don't learn love from that book. That book is not the source of love. Don't learn love from that experience. That experience the source of love is God. That's why anybody is trying to now teach love and separating God. The person is deliberately trying to rewire your mind. In a direction of perversion. Trying to change the goalpost. Redefine the terms. And when that happens, people say, eh, I love God. I love people. And when you ask them what they mean, you discover that they are loving like sinners. That's what it means. You think the politician who comes, I say, vote for me. I love you. You think he loves you? <laughs> you think that politician loves you? Okay, say vote for me. When they are distributing Ankara, you think they love those people? When I was receiving, uh, in Edo, they were sharing Ludo. People were voting because of Ludo. They gave them Ludo. You think, you think, that's why Paul says, even if you give, you give, and you lack love. You see? So you can do all of that. Why? You are just trying to, they call it vote buying. You're actually buying. You're not loving. It's business, not market. <laughs> not market. I'm loving my husband, she will love me back. That's not love. That's not what Ephesians 5 says. That's not how Christ loved us. When we had no capacity to reciprocate, He loved us. 
Are we together? John 3.16. Now, John 3.16 is popular, but I think that we should, we should redefine it in some context. Now, just the first phrase, for God so loved the world. Is that not so? That he gave. Is that not so? Put it in another version. I'm not sure which other version will work, but let me see the options. Put it in another version. The king, when I want to hear for God so loved the world, that he gave, what comes to your mind is God loved the world so much. Is that not so? Uh-huh. Like the Amplified says, God so greatly loved the world. <laughs> really, put it in another version. If you can't get any other version that conveys what I think the original is saying, I'll read it from here. This my tab is messing up. This is close, but let me check. If I don't see it here, I'll just you can go and research, but I will explain what it originally means or what it's most likely to mean originally. Because God so loved the world, the emphasis can be stretched in terms of the soul. This is how much God loved the world, but then. Are we still together? The God's Word translation, GW, is what it reads. God loved the world this way. What you read as God so, and you interpret it as so, like the love was so much, so loved the world. This other version suggests so is the way he loves it. God loves the world this way. What way? He gave his son. Are we together? It's like I say, okay. Somebody is not saved. And I want to show him the love of God. And I give him shawarma. No. God's love is shown by giving his son. I give that unsaved man the son. This is the way God loves. Do we get it? The way God loves is to give his son. That's why, and I should probably emphasize that, you cannot claim to love and not be involved in distributing the gift of God. One of which is by living as a witness of the gospel. You have an unbeliever friend, you love her, you love him, you buy things for him, you take him out, but you don't give the gospel. You don't love the person in the way God loves. Are we together? Okay, so, God has the way he loves. And that is very important. Because by the time we begin to consider several other things, we will see that, well, that is the way of God. Just like in John 3, the way God loved the world was not by writing a love letter. The way God loved the world was not by saying, Oh, I miss you. The way God loved the world was to do something towards the salvation of man. Let's keep, we'll get it as we keep going on in this discussion. Third thing or second thing or fourth thing, I'm not sure exactly what number is this. God's love is not feeling centered or feeling based. 
It is a decision and commitment expressed as actions and doings for the benefit of the object of love. So I checked up the dictionary meaning of love and the dominant dictionary meaning is love is a feeling of affection. Everybody say feeling of affection. When I saw that division, I now understood, okay, these women will say, I love you. Or I love this person. Because they have been taught by the dictionary. The dictionary did not utter love. The dictionary does not know jack about love. Love is sourced in God. So let me tell you emphatically, God's love, or love in its original state, is not in feelings, emotions. It does not mean that there will be no emotional disposition. But then, it's not fundamentally built on that. Feelings of affection, emotional attachment. <laughs> That's not what it is. That's why we saw how God loved the world. It was not by weeping over the world. He sent his son to die. But the emphasis here is, it is a decision and commitment expressed as actions and doings for the benefit. So we see that it is selfless. It is for the benefit of the object of love. So, it should be that when I say, I love God, what God is expecting, based on the manual he gave us, is that we are thinking of, how can I bless God? How can I help God? How can I glorify God? Not, I love God because I collect from him. Mm-mm. Do we get it now? When I say, I love my wife, what God is supposed to be thinking is of, how can I help my wife? Because I love her. How can I bless my wife? How can I give to my wife? Not, I love her because she's beautiful. She takes care of me. No, no, no. That's not how God defines it. Do we get it now? I was going to say that God's love is a selfless, sacrificial expression to aid, to help, and to save. To aid, to help, and to save. If it is God's love, it aids, it helps, it saves. Any action that claims to be a loving action but does not aid the other person, not you, does not aid the other person, does not help the other person, does not save the other person, does not love. You, you might have said it in a very romantic way. Does not love. Are you listening to me? What I'm doing right now is a love speech. But if you are not trained to know that what helps and what saves and what aids is love, you just say, well, it was just shouting at us, shouting at us, shouting at us. <laughs> you don't see it as a love talk because I did not whisper. But then you say, Jesus loves you no matter what you do. He loves you. That's what you call a love talk. A love song is when we say, oh, Meanwhile, a love song, the leaders could go, repent or perish. And God would say, that's, that's my love song to you. Whoever I love, I trust us. Are we getting it? If it doesn't aid, doesn't help, doesn't save, the person receiving it, it's not love. It's not the love of God. When God says, I love you, he's not thinking about how you make him feel. He's talking about a commitment to you, to help you, to save you, to come to your aid, to 
rescue you. It's a commitment conversation. I love you. It's, a commit- it's not a feeling, emotional conversation. It's a commitment conversation. This is how God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son to God. You think Jesus felt good on the cross? You think he was in the mood to die? I'm not in the mood to pick his call. <laughs> what are you talking about? You think love is about moods? You think Jesus was in the mood to die? He prayed and said, if possible, let this cup pass over me. You think six inches or nine inches nails in the palm of his hands was side play? You're not in the mood. You love God, but you're not in the mood to come to church today. You don't feel like reading your Bible today. You think it's about moods and emotions? Commitment! Irrespective of how you feel. Are we together? John 15, 13. I think it says, No greater love than a man should lay down his life for his friends. This is the height of love. Lay down. Everybody say, Lay down. Speaking about sacrifice that may hurt you, that may cost you. People are talking about love and pleasure is the dominant ideology of their minds. I just want to enjoy myself. I want to relax and be taken care of. And that generation is also believing that they are a love generation. <laughs> a generation that just wants to relax and be taken care of also believes that just because they can draw a shape of heart. The symbol of love is the cross, not the red shape. The cross. Somebody dying, laying down his life to save, to help, to aid. Are you listening to me? Not all the symbols that Valentine would throw at you, February 14 would throw at you. Those things are, they are, they are perverse education. You want to know love? Go to the cross and stay there. That is love. A man laid down his life to help his friends, to save. John 15, Jesus actually said, friends. Romans 5, Paul said, enemies. <laughs> he laid down his life for his own enemies. Wow. What a love. Are we together? Oh dear. So if this philosophy that we are trying to inculcate to you, if we, if we practice it, there will be no sin in the world again. Romans 13, 8 to 10. These were the statements that people try to hijack. Romans 13, 8 to 10. Let me read the verses and then let me show, show you how some people have interpreted it and how it will actually be interpreted. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, somebody can pick up this last statement. Love is the fulfillment of the law. And what they mean is that, for instance, if I love another man like me, an homosexual, and I marry him, I have not broken any law because I claim to love him. Do you get the logic? That's how they perfect that scripture. Once you love, you have fulfilled the law. So they define it according to their own definition. I say, well, my own definition of love is that I believe I can sleep with my girlfriend even though we are not married. I love her. I'm doing that of love. So I've not broken any law because love is the law. But no, that's what the Bible is teaching you. 
Ah, you have to be a very wicked person to interpret the scripture like that. Ah, how can you look at this kind of scripture and not say love is the new religion? Love is love. anything I do out of love is correct. No, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying define love accurately. So if we define love accurately, which means that when I say I love you, I don't want to do anything that will not aid you, that will not save you, that will not help you. There can be no sin in that equation. Love does not harm a neighbor. So I cannot have sexual intercourse with somebody and claim I love the person. (laughs) It's not love. The one may call it love, but it's not love. Are we together? Lying, cheating, stealing, all of those things. It's not love. Why? Because it does not aid, it does not help, it does not save. Do we get it? I would get into some amplifications of that statement, but let's read on or let's go on. So love God in scripture is consistently linked to obedience to his instructions and submission to his authority. To love God. Because many people believe that they love God, claim that they love God, but have defined love wrongly, like I thought earlier, think that because they can sing a love song to God, that God should be okay with that, and that is their own love. That's how they want to love God. But no, the Bible teaches us how to love God. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. There are so many scriptures here, but I want us to read it as much as we can. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Listen to this statement. But to fear the Lord your God. Everybody say, fear the Lord your God. To walk in all his ways and to love him. So, loving God is in the same bracket as fearing God and walking in all his ways. God's definitions are different. See, how do you say that I love God? And he says I should fear God. God defines love. You don't get to define love. You are too small to define love. God tells you, this is how you should love me. You fear me, you walk in my ways, you love me. You don't do that, you can sing from now until next year with the voice of an angel. You don't love me. As far as I'm concerned, you don't love me. You must say, I'm, I'm loving God in my own way. No, that's not like your own way. It's not, love is not sourced in you. It does not begin with you. You want to love God, you fear Him. You walk in His ways. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 1. Next scripture. Deuteronomy 11 1. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep His charge, His statutes, His judgments, His commandments always. You cannot separate it. I love God but I'm, I'm struggling to keep His commandments. Give me a break. You want to love Him, you keep His commandments. You don't define it to him. He defines it to you. Are we together? I'm not saying other forms of love do not count. If you want to sing to God, fine. But this, God has told you what he requires. And he is the one that determines it. Because it's the source of love. Deuteronomy 22. Oh, must be a mistake. Deuteronomy, chapter 12. I'm not sure what 12 says. Go to Deuteronomy 30, 
I command you today to love the Lord your God. How? To walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes, His judgments. You may live and multiply. The Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Deuteronomy 30 20. Four verses after this. So that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him for is your life. Anywhere you see obedient love to God, it's not in mushy mushy talk. Just obey, just obey, just obey, just obey, just obey, just obey. God prefers you never say I love you with your mouth, but you do it with your actions. Prefers that because he taught us in First John three, love not in words but in deeds and truth. God will prefer just you don't have to be saying I love you, Lord. I love you. Lord. Wake up in the morning. Let the first thing in your mind be how can I obey God. Where should I obey God? God, what God is hearing is, I love you, I love you, I love you. That's what God is hearing. You don't have to say, I love you, I love you. You have to say it. Because mouth love is cheap. Any parrot can say it. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So the love of God. First John, John fourteen fifteen. Just John fourteen fifteen, not first John. John. 14, 15. This is, these are the words of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 21 to 24. Maybe I will explain this later. It's called the conditional love of God. It's a dimension of God's love. This one I'm about to read. It's like a conditional but I will explain it in a general context. But the emphasis here is he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Who loves God? The person who has his commandments and keeps them. First John five, two and three. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God. <laughs> this, one is even, this one is even very interesting. And keep his commandments. Listen to me. If I love you by saying I love you and I am not keeping the commandments of God, I'm lying. I'm lying. Yeah. Keeping the commandments of God is how I show you that I love you. Ah. But I'm not God now. Oh yeah. <laughs> But that's what God says. If you don't keep God's commandments, do you know what God says? You hate me. Ah, pity, I don't hate you. Well, read the verse again. I'm not the one that said it. Ah, I am a pity. You are not God now. Well, that's what the Bible says. You want to love your brother? Keep God's commandments. Are we together? Verse 3. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not bodysome. Uh, let's go on here. Let's go on here. There is an obvious link between the practice of righteousness and the love of God. Put it in Matthew 24, 12. Let's examine this scripture in a different light. Matthew 24, 12. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, you can read this verse of scripture as people will not love God 
in the end time because there will be plenty sin. You can that, that works. But there is a sentiment about this verse that suggests how you know that there is love is that there is righteousness. Hello? Where you see lawlessness, there is no love. A society that says, we just love each other here, where everybody is committing their own sin. They are lying. There is no love there. There is no love. Where you see lawlessness, a trade arranged there. They hate themselves there. Oh, yeah. Righteousness and love, they work in the same environment. That's why we read in Romans chapter 13 that love is the fulfillment of the law. So, when a sin loving generation begins to talk about, let's just love one another, you know, they are confused about what they are saying. <laughs> you want to love one another? Start from dropping your sin. Drop your sin. Then I can, we can talk about love. Drop your sin first. But you want to love your sin and you are talking about love one another. No, they don't mix. Are we together? Let's look at this last one, which I have echoed before. But let's look at it from scriptures. The love of God warns, rebukes, chastises, and punishes accordingly. Proverbs 3.12 We are just looking at love education from scriptures. That's why we are looking at so many verses. It's not me that said it. This is the word of God. Who the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as the father, the son, in whom he delights. So, the love of God corrects. Are we together? Proverbs thirteen twenty four. He who spares his rod, hates his son. He who loves him, disciplines him promptly. Somebody says, I love my son so much that I cannot... Beat him. <laughs> well, your own definition of love is very interesting. What the Bible teaches is that you hate your son if you spare the rod. You hate him. Oh, you hate him. Ah, how can you say that I hate him? Well, I, I'm not the one that defines love. It's the, it's the Bible that defines love. And it tells us what hate is. It tells us what love is. So it tells us that when you see a parent effectively and correctly administering the rod, that is a love expression. It's one of the greatest operations. You don't see it in your logical manner that you see that ah, that's wickedness. That's that's this, that's what you are. That's what, but you are too small to define the terms. You're too small. It is God that would define it, and in His definition, that's love. Hebrews twelve four to six. Twelve, not thirteen. Twelve. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Go on. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He what? And scourges every son whom he receives, so that the KJV will not leave us confused. Because he was saying, God, the Bible never said that God punishes us. Oh yeah, put up another version. Put up another version. Maybe NLT. Let us know what. Okay. NLT says, For the Lord disciplines those he loves, 
And what? And what? And God is too love. He's too loving. He does not punish. What Bible are you reading? What are you reading? He punishes and he actually punishes out of love. <laughs> the punishment is a I told you this when I was teaching you about the favor of God. That one of the ways God shows us favor eh, is by this discipline, punishment, correction, rebuke. And it is because he has accepted us as his child. Remember, favor is acceptance. Look at the next statement in verse 7. Verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what a son, sorry, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? I think if the next statement, I'm another version. Go to the next verse. I want to see that word you use. <laughs> I like the one here. But if you are without chastening, of which all you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Illegitimate is a nice way to say bastard. Are, are you getting it? It is because he loves us. <laughs> Stand to your feet. And so this is love according to the, the way the Bible teaches it. This is the foundation to build. So let's practice something in prayer differently. Tell God you love him, but define it properly. Lord, I love you. It's not about what I want to collect from you. I love you and I want to give to you. I want to serve you. I want to obey you. I don't love you just because you give me things. Yes, you give me things, but I've learned that love is not about my own selfish interest. It is that I want to serve you. I want to bless you. I want to be useful to you. I want to help you. If there's any way you need my help, I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Really, I do. Not selfishly. Not because I want to get from you. No. I actually want to serve you. I want to obey you. I want to keep your commandment. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Pray in the Spirit for a few seconds here. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Paul says, You yourself are taught by God to love one another. You yourself are taught by God. I'm 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 taught by God. The love of God should have brought in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I'm taught by God. He teaches me to love. To love in his own way. To love as he loves me. Not what the world defines it as. But as he shows me in scriptures. As he demonstrated it in Christ Jesus. I'm taught of God to love. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Now hold your hand with somebody beside you. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedback. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.